Welcome to the Athlete's Compass Podcast, your North Star for mastering endurance training and holistic health. Join us each week as renowned sports scientist and founder of Athletica.ai, Paul Larson, along with athlete, coach, and sports scientist Mariana Rakai, and coach and cyclist Paul Warlowski, guide you through the maze of often confusing training principles. Make sure your compass is ready. Class is now in session. Hello and welcome to the Athlete's Compass, where we navigate training, fitness, and health for everyday athletes. This week, we are talking about heart rate variability, or HRV. Paul, you gave a talk in January at the Endurance Exchange Conference about HRV. Could you tell us what you talked about? Yeah, Paul. Hey, um, thanks so much and uh, welcome everyone. Great to hear everyone. I was very privileged. I got an invite from uh, the Endurance Exchange team uh, through Trevor Connor uh, of Fast Talk Laboratories. Huge thanks to him. And I was asked to go and speak on this topic because more and more coaches and athletes are wanting to understand how do we use this tool of heart rate variability to get insight into making decisions around our training. What does it really mean? So, you know, I think we've talked a little bit about this before, but just for, so everyone's on page, we just briefly review the principles. And the basic principle is that, you know, um, we have our, um, we have our heart rate. And when I think of heart rate, I think of the first thing I think about is the Wizard of Oz and the Tin Man and that clock that he was hanging down there because he wanted a heart, right? Like he didn't have a heart. So remember the Tin Man with the clock. It's, but and so you, you need, immediately think that your pulse is, is, your, is like this clock that's tick-tocking. And at first glance, you, you know, it sort of sounds that way, but it's not. It's actually quite variable. It varies significantly. And that variation, heart rate variability, tells us a lot of insight into your health. And in particular, your response to any training or, but not only that, insight into all the other various different stressors that are inputting into your life from, uh, you know, psychosocial relationship issues that are stressing you out, uh, insight into the menstrual cycle that we'll probably talk about in the next podcast to uh, insight into how hard your training is. And specifically, of course, when you train, that's a big stressor, right? So heart rate variability is a, a great tool that we know we can use to give um, a, a response to the load of training. And and listeners, regular listeners to the podcast will have heard about training load. Load is uh, another term for stress. And we've talked about this at length with, you know, what things like the performance uh, profile, where you're looking at the fitness and fatigue sort of things. That's great. But as many of us know, we can, any of us can take a blanket plan and we can, you know, we can, we can train to that blanket plan or that blanket session, but two individuals you know, say me and Paul, we're going to respond completely different, differently to that same exact training session. And heart rate variability gives us insight into that individual response to training, Paul. So Andrew Kent, a uh, friend of mine, he asked us, 
you know, what are the practical applications for using HRV for our training? Yeah, well, I think that the practical insight that you can get is is exactly that, is, is really, you know, the how am I individually responding to this training session that Athletica or any program gives gives you? And um, that's the first one. Um, but we should actually go even deeper. And this is what I spoke on at the Endurance Exchange Conference. I spoke about, the, um, all, you know, really Marco Altini's HRV for training principles that he lays out. So credit to Marco on, on all of the stuff that I am, you know, rehashing. But basically, there's a few key principles that we need to, that we need to follow when we try to get practicality out of, of heart rate variability. And, um, you know, the first one is that you want to, you, you should never react individually to a single measure. Right. So say you're using a whoop or an aura ring or HRV for training or you name or Garmin and say you have a low or a high reading, you, you know, that's, that's interesting in, uh, insight, but uh, it's not as, um, it's not as finite really as insight that you might get from a, you know, a training session um, where it's calculating the load. It, it's interesting but you, what we now realize is that you need to kind of get, you need to take a more of a Google Earth, big picture look at these, this, this data. And that's the cool thing is that's what Athletica is doing now. Because if you go to your recovery profile on Athletica and you're measuring heart rate variability, you'll actually get this longitudinal mark of your, um, of your training and, and your heart rate variability profile going up and down, up and down, up and down. And you're getting what we call these, this 60 day average, which is, which winds up being like your normal value. So we're taking a lot of data points to find out what's normal for you. We get this normal range. And then we do, we, we, we go a little more granular and we take a seven day rolling average. And if the seven day rolling average it starts to drift outside of the 60-day rolling average, the long-term one. So it's almost it's the same principles as the acute versus chronic workload sort of thing, except looking at it in a different way. And um, and yeah, and th and then when that seven-day rolling average is either above or below, well, now we should start. You know, hmm, I wonder what's going on here. That's sort of, you know, that's something that, that now we take a now we wonder a little bit deeper. Could this relate to something? You know, is it related to my menstrual cycle? Is it related to getting sick? Is it related to training adaptation and enhancement? Do I, am I feeling fitter? Ah, interesting. You know, in the context where it's going higher. Now we're getting, this is the, this is the real value of it uh, for coach and athlete. So, so you talked about some of the factors that influence HRV, possible menstrual cycle, um, sickness, other issues. What are some other things? Is it does training to, you know, does too much training start to factor in into HRV? Yeah, it, it could be a lot of different things. So again, remember that train HRV is getting insight. So, you know, I, again, I should back up, back the truck up a little bit and we should just remind the, we've spoken at this about this in a lot of different podcasts, but we should just make, be very clear 
um, there's two branches of the autonomic nervous system. There's the sympathetic fight or flight, and then there's the parasympathetic rest and digest uh, nervous systems. And when we measure heart rate variability, we're, we're looking at a variable that's got a big fancy term. It's called RMSSD. It's the root mean square of successive differences, right? And it's basically looking at the difference of one, um, one heartbeat versus the other heartbeat. Right, so, and, and that word successive difference, right? So it's like, it's literally capturing, well, what's the difference in this heartbeat? What's the difference in this heartbeat? So it's doing that repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. Again, here's where AI kind of comes into it, right? It's, it's getting insight into the, the differences in those beats. And when there's a lot of difference in those beats, that means the parasympathetic system, the rest and digest system is very, um, is working hard. And that typically means, I'm, I'm saying typically because it's not always, but typically that is an indicator of your parasympathetic system ramping up and you adapting. So you're sleeping, you're probably sleeping really well if you're getting this on a consistent basis and you're adapting to your training. Conversely, if you're more like the Tin Man with the, the clock around there and it's tick tock, tick tock right on the, right on the beat, that's typically a sign of either you're exercising or you're stressed, right? Exercise is a stress. Um, but if you're not recovering, then that's, you know, if your thoughts are racing at night, say, for example, and your boss is angry with you, uh, your spouse is fighting with you, et cetera, et cetera. And you think of how wired you feel in these circumstances, right? Like ev all of us go through these various different things in life. So think about how hyped up that you kind of are and you know either in a good way or a bad way but that's your sympathetic system your fight or flight system ramped right up well when your sympathetic system ramps up it depresses the parasympathetic system and it, and it, it quiets down and it's again more like that that tin man clock so um where did i go with this but basically that's the um you know, we're, we're looking at the, uh, we're looking at the, the, the ins we're getting insight into the central nervous system, the autonomic nervous system. And, um, and, and yeah, and these fluctuations are giving us insight into our ability to um, adapt to, to stress and the response to exercise along with everything else around it. What do you think, Mariana? How am I doing here? What am I missing? <laughs> oh my gosh, you're doing so good. <laughs> Um, I'm rambling. <laughs> it's a good ramble. Okay. Um, uh, as always, we ask our listeners to send us questions and our friend Cindy has a few of them. So I'm going to uh, ask you, uh, she's saying uh, if each person's HRV value is unique or is there a certain number we should be striving for? Uh, that's a great question. And I, I, I wondered the same thing. And um, so many know that I have, uh, I have a couple good friends of the podcast and, and in, in the world and who are experts in this and, and gave me all my insight. The first is my PhD student of the past, and um, that's Dr. Dan Plews. And, and the other is my, um, my colleague with Hit Science, with, which is Martin Bescheidt, who's 
really taught me everything. And um, again, Martin and and I co-supervised Dan Plews's PhD, which was done on many, um, you know, lots of rowers in the New Zealand rowing program. So, and one thing when we were actually measuring these things, you know, you again, the best process of doing research is to actually do these on yourself first. So um, when I was doing my own research on myself to get insight into my own HRV, it was really interesting because I had this really low value and my mates like Dan Plews and Martin, they had naturally really high values. Um, so I was kind of, you know, I was, and I was like, well, I thought that, I thought that high was always best, right? Um, but there are these just these these little nuances and whatnot that um, that that mean ultimately you're it's not the case. It's it really needs to be looked at at the individual basis. All that matters is what your value really is. There is some there, there's this phenomenon called the saturation effect, which applies to me, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into that. But basically, um, you could have an individual low value that could be just fine. You could have an individual high value that could be just fine. All that matters at the end of the day is your value and how you're deviating above or below that. And that kind of goes into the the diatribe that I, um, you know, I, I applied when I was talking about the 60-day rolling average versus the seven-day rolling average. So that's all that matters to you, Cindy, is what's your 60-day rolling average and how does your seven-day rolling average shorter term apply relative to your longer term term value. So um, I think that, I think I answered the question there, Mariana. Oh, she has another one. Are you oh, ready for it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I love Cindy's questions. Uh, so Cindy asks, I've, I've <laughs> noticed that leading up to my, to, leading up to a race, my HRV seems to decline and I get the warning to take it easy. This always stresses me out, wondering if it's, if this is common. Can viewing an unfavorable HRV cause more stress, making your HRV worse? Can you guys see that? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I'm pulling up this slide here from the presentation at Endurance Exchange. And um, look, this is this is data from a couple of those rowers. Now, these are rowers that went on to um, do world championship events and also at the London Olympics. And this is all published in our in Dan's uh, lit review for his PhD, published in Sports Medicine. There, endurance ad training adaptation and HRV in elite endurance athletes. So here, like, so Cindy, yes, in the taper. Look at the taper. Whether it's world champs or it's the Olympics in um, medalists, the gold medalists from the New Zealand Olympic program, and pretty much every other you know athlete that we kind of see, we see this exactly what you um, what you describe Cindy where you go into a low HRV um, in the taper phase this is a good thing and you should actually expect it you should actually get excited about it and the reason is is that you have um, you've slowed down with your endurance training you've probably increased a little bit of intensity as we often do in the in the taper period right those high intensity, uh, sessions, the primers, etc. That Cindy, I know you'll be um, familiar with as a longtime um, user of Athletica. Um, these are all these sorts of things. There's a reduction in the parasympathetic uh, input to the to the nervous system, and there's a and this allows for the sympathetic system to rise. So and this and again, so a lower HRV and this and you want this right because now you've made all the endurance adaptations and you want to 
you want to drive uh, and perform now. You want that sympathetic system kind of elevated in that phase. So these are this is always associated with um, enhanced performance. And, and again, you know, we see this in Dan Pluse's, uh, um publications of you know just blog reports and whatnot. We always see that reduction in HRV. Here's um, Douglas Allen, um, Dougal Allen in the winning challenge Wanaka. We see again, get yeah, the reduction in HRV um, on race day. And it's for that exact sort of same reason. Um, and yeah, in HRV for training, Kyle Buckingham demonstrating this. We see Jan, uh, Jan Van Berkel, all of his as well as the same sort of thing. So there's a very common uh, um, experience there for um, for that, Cindy. Great question. I uh, I was listening to the Greg Bennett show. Uh, I'm sure Paul, you're familiar with that. Absolutely. And uh, Dr. Tommy Wood was on, and he said something interesting. It was like uh, I really liked what he said. I'm gonna just read it. Um, HRV doesn't tell you how well you're going to perform. It tells you the cost of a given performance is going to be. You can still perform, although HRV is tanked, but there's a large cost to that performance. So how you interpret your HRV score score matters. Absolutely. Right? Like Absolutely. if you're an athlete who gets stressed out about the HRV score going down, maybe it's an, a good idea not to take that on a race day. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If it's going to stress you out, um, it's not yeah. just put, put that at park that like we just, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't need that in that. And this kind of comes down to, you know, the individual, um, it comes down really to the individual, right? Um, and what they are, you know, their philosophies. And again, this is where, you know, coaches like yourselves can assist with, uh, with these sorts of decisions. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Same, same, same with, uh, with sleeping, you know, a lot of people get stressed out. They need to wake up 3am for Ironman start or, and then they can't, cause they can't sleep or fall asleep because they are going through the race and, you know, there's nerves, but I always say like one bad night of sleep doesn't tank your performance to school. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And if, if you don't mind me um, just sharing one more slide, I really like this. This is a tweet put out by Alan Cousins. Many will know he's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a lot, uh, I highly respect Alan and a lot of the, the work that he does because he, because he deals with AI He's a, he's a scientist, and then he also deals a lot with HRV. So Alan says in a tweet, um, this was uh, actually pretty recent, but he says when you're, um, as a general principle or general rule, and then this is in the context of your training, your day-to-day training, um, when your HRV is high, generally, you get your response to training is high. That, that is, you get a high return for the work that you put in. Again, in that context of the seven-day rolling average relative to the uh, to the sixty-day rolling average, and and again, what, when your HRV is low, your response to that training can sometimes also be low. So I think Tommy was a little bit alluding to that in what Marianne has sort of just said. Um, but basically, sometimes you can actually be working really, really hard, training your ass off. Um, but you might actually not be getting anything in return because when in general, when you are, you know, when that HRV is high, um, it's, it's usually sort of a, this signal that the, the system's ready to, to, uh, to respond to that training and adapt you. So how do we look at those day-to-day 
um, readings. Uh, you know, if we get a yellow or a red reading, do we take that day off? Do we look at the trends? What happens when we're feeling really good and we get a yellow or a red reading? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that. Uh, that question, Paul, because again, I will revert to the presentation and this is again some key, uh, some key takeaway points from the presentation. And again, this again, I've, I've stolen um, Marco Altini's. Now, can you see that, Paul? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah. So, and then this goes back to hit science principles, athletica principles, coaching principles, context first always, right? So remember that everything is relative um, and that, so we've just, we've really, hopefully we've nailed that, that the data needs to be analyzed relative to the historical norms. That means the seven day average needs to be relative, um, analyzed relative to the 60 day average. Always looking at the big picture first. So um, avoid, Marco says, avoid naive interpretation. Relax about a single value that, and that was your question, Paul. If you get a single value that's high or low, interesting, but it's not like we don't change the training necessarily just because of that, that single day. And Mariana alluded to that as well. So higher isn't always better, lower isn't always better. We're gonna look at that moving seven day average. And multi-parameter is key. And this is again, where we believe that um, the Athletica philosophy and the AI principles, where we're taking lots of sensor data, um, we're going to be advantaged. Um, so we need to have more data around the big picture context. So let's look at our, um, our CEO, Mark, um, Mark's HRV uh, rolling averages um, over the um, last year. So look, let's look and think, you know, everything is relative and big picture first. So look at his seven day, uh, look at his 60 day rolling average. That's the normal range there. And that is his, um, you know, that's his 60 day rolling average, which is in the orange. And then we also look to his seven day rolling average. That's the moving blue line as we see it going across. So this is in days and this is in uh, RMSSD HRV. Okay, so big picture for now that's some interesting things that are happening on this graph. We see that all of a sudden over here, his HRV tends to rise. Well, it's, you know, and as a coach of Mark, I'm kind of, it's interesting to note that Mark made a significant change to his diet right about here and started following a little bit more in line the athletica training principles. And, it, you know, it's, did this, did that contribute to these notable changes and, and general rises in his seven day average relative to his 60 day average? I don't know, I'd like to believe so. Um, but then Mark, of course, goes to Mexico on a vacation. And what happens when we go to Mexico, right? We, well, sometimes you get a little sick and indeed, Mark did get sick and we can see that his uh, rolling seven day average um, relative to a 60 day rolling average uh, tends to drop down there. And again, um, with my, with knowing how this works, I kind of think, oh, that's probably what we would expect. So that's how I kind of use individual versus rolling the, the, the seven day rolling averages. And this is all available on your recovery profile for Athletica. So I hope that uh, answers some questions there, Paul. It does. Um, 
so Craig Morfitt, another friend of mine, and I'm training his son right now. He asks if there's a connection between HRV and aging athletes. Does that make a difference? Does age affect HRV? And is, is that something we need to keep in mind when we're analyzing our data? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good one. So for all of us, Paul, we're all, yeah, we're all, all aging. We're all getting, but the many of the listeners will have heard the differences between your chronological age, right? That's just the number and your biological age. And that is how, you know, what is really the, call it the age, you know, the, the level of your cells in terms of how, how good your cells are functioning relative to to what you know what might be normal from a chronological standpoint on that and they're different and we know that when people live healthy lifestyles and this in term this includes good nutrition uh, good sleep controlled stress exercise as we all promote uh, that their the biological age is a much lower relative to the just a number. So we never take a, an absolute number into a, into effect. And people have asked the same about, about Athletica in terms of the pres prescription. And this is why, like, you know, we've, um, you know, we've done interviews with some of the world, uh, the physiologist of the world record holders for in the 70 plus age category. And these are, these guys are doing, you know, 248 marathons uh, at age 74. And, uh, you know, running um running miles in uh you know a ridiculous sub you know sub sub five minute miles kind of thing right so these are um you know they're, they're just because of the chronological age we can't actually say that it actually makes that much of a difference but the biological age surely does so um irrespective um this is taking a this is looking at your biological age right because it's looking at how you're individually kind of responding and then this is probably where a coach really kind of can come come into play and assist with uh helping you to determine where you know how things are sort of looking at your biological relative to your chronicle uh, chronological age and individualize the training accordingly of course, Athletica will be getting better and better at doing these sorts of things. But for now, that's about all I can sort of say on the topic, Paul. And I guess because uh, HRV is always individual, you can't like compare two people anyways. Uh, but if you've been taking HRV for years, then you can maybe see differences. I, I don't know that. Yes. Well, this is for sure. Right. So, you know, look at Mark's Mark's data there that we just just showed. He's got a whole year of data and yet that that uh, history, that library is going to get longer and longer. And we are going to be able to do those sorts of retrospective mm -hmm. analyses later on, um, which should be very helpful in making future decisions. So, yeah, again, met, we we always have the old adage measure what matters. Well, HRV is one of those variables that matters. So that's why we measure it. Several of my athletes are using, uh, you know, the Garmin app with a body battery, and I've convinced several people to start using HRV for training. What are some other reliable and accessible methods for athletes to measure their HRV? Are there devices or apps that you would recommend? Yeah, so I have to probably stick with Marco Altini and uh, as a colleague and a really a, you know, as a pioneer in this variable. Again, we've, as I've just said, I've, st I've stolen all the info from him. And that's, that's what I presented at an endurance exchange. 
but um, so yeah, HRV for training is a great one. Uh, another tool is uh, my colleague Jason Moore at Elite HRV. Similar principles there. Um, that's these are two apps, and these uh, both of these use the camera lens to measure uh, your HRV. And we validated that with ECG as well in our lab in uh, in New Zealand. So uh, it, there is you know it's it, once you get the once you're comfortable taking the measure. Uh, it does become reliable and it's valid, and we've yeah we've demonstrated that. But also the um, we we find the nocturnal measures are also very good. So things like the data that I just showed you from Mark, um, that was a you know that's taken from the his Garmin that he wears to sleep every night and just naturally kind of comes in. So it takes a a mid reading, which we call a nocturnal measure of HRV. It takes a it takes them at, an, at the average of uh, good readings that it detects o across the night. Um, and Marco has also demonstrated that that is a valid procedure as well. And probably the most practical because now you don't even have to do anything. So it, it's, it's sort mm. of, it's, it might not be as reliable, but it's more practical and practicality often wins out uh, in these sorts of things, right? All you got to do is wear it. Same with like uh, an aura wing. So uh, an aura ring. So the uh, Marco is a um, an advisor on aura ring last I checked. So again, many of his principles are, are input in there. Um, now you, what you do need to be careful on, again, uh, are any sorts of apps that are looking at a single variable. So I'll just, yeah, if any, if you have a device that's looking at a single low variable, that goes against the, all the principles that we just taught you um, on this podcast, right? Because a single variable, a single low day, we just told you is probably irrelevant. You're not getting good help or insight into, into any, anything. You need to be looking at the rolling average and relative to the normal normal range. So um, that can be a little shocking to some people sometimes because they've been relying on those. But that's um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that's uh, that makes sense there, Paul. Mm, yeah, yeah. It makes total, total it does. sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to uh, mm -hmm. put put any negative twist because there are a lot of very popular apps out there with big names that tend to do that, but they're doing a disservice. And you know this because many athletes will tell you this too. They're like, hey, my X device just told me that I need to take a rest day, but I feel completely fine, right? So you, Paul and Mariana, as coaches, what will you say, right? <laughs> yeah, we're training today. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah, and, and and like it's just the one you know measurement point or or one tool that you use to decide what you're gonna do. Like if you you feel always like you say, Paul, feel always trumps all data. Mm -hmm. um, and I've noticed like when I'm training well, the HRV kind of starts dipping down as I'm training, and then I realize, okay, well, I'm might need to take a day a little bit easier when it really dips down and then I let it come up a little bit. But um, I have to say like rarely do I ever take a day off unless I'm sick like this weekend. 
Yep. Uh, um, <clears throat> just because of my HRE is low. Yeah, it's a it's a tool in the toolbox, it, and that's it. Yeah. And you and you yes. pair it alongside those feelings that you you just described perfectly, in my opinion, Mariana. But I've also done the big mistake of ignoring those uh, dips in HRV. Like my typical range is eight point two to eight point nine, and mm -hmm. I was down to six. Yeah, so that great when I was overtraining. Sure, and, and it's it, consistently down, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just like went so, down a slope, and I just yeah. kept ignoring it. Uh, felt horrible, slept bad, took HRV measurement. Why did I take it? Because I didn't pay attention to it. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, I was stupid. <laughs> I was a dumbass. But anyways, um, no, these... no, that's so. I mean, again, I'm gonna just quickly share that window because that's that was the very first thing that we like when we went on this journey. Um, you have to kind of under, you know, we're kind of doing this in reverse, but that was the very first thing that we started doing. So Dan and I were measuring, we're just experimenting this, and Mar and Martin, our supervisor, he said, "Why don't you just see if you can get a couple of these elite athletes and see if they'll start taking uh, morning resting HRV for." Um, you know, and we, and they did, we got two athletes, we got a control athlete up here and we've got a, an elite, um, uh, an elite gal here who was, was taking morning resting values. Right. And here again, you see over, oh. over, um, over time, just what you described, Mariana, where over time that, that HRV was falling. And then that coincided with um, clinically, you know, physician determined o functionally overreaching or overtraining, whatever you kind of want to call it, um, coupled with shingles, right? So, I mean, like, you know, when that, which completely suggests that your immune system is suppressed and, you know, her the herpes, uh, you know, virus kind of comes out, right, as it does with shingles. So like that was just like, this was the moment and this was, you know, this was published, I think it was like, you know, really early on in like, you know, 20, 2010 or something like that, this, this paper, but it, so we were collecting the data, you know, in 20, in 2009. Um, but, but, you know, like this, this was like, oh, interesting. That's when we were sort of just pioneering and the sort of thing, but it's exactly what you described. So yeah, seven day relative to, you've got to pay attention to those signals when it's slowly going down and down and down and down, then it's, you know, now we've, we've got something here. We've got to make a change, um, in, in that training. Yeah. Like last week, last week, uh, kids have been sick. We have like a uh, head cold in the house. I'm training really well. And when you're training really well, you're always kind of like teetering there. That edge. On the edge, and then I was looking at my my seven day average, and I'm like, okay, it's going down. Hmm. <laughs> and sure enough, then I wake up with the sore throat and runny yeah. nose. For sure. Um, so it so did. It gave a, it gave you that signal though, didn't it? Yeah. 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 But it is so hard to know when to stop. It, that, re that's it really the is. Art. Yeah, that's the art of listening to your body and look at looking at your life overall. Be, like, take that into account when you're doing those training decisions. So, yeah, I think uh, again, just to to lead to that, to lead to this last point, I think you know we've been talking about you know when your HRV sort of falls, as it did with Mariana, as it did in in many. You know, case studies, etc. What can I do as a as an athlete or a coach 
when I'm getting these consistently low readings in my HRV, suggesting something is off. Okay, so first thing that I can do, um, low intensity zone two training. Change up the day, use the workout wizard, move the session, whatever it may be, but change over to more of a, uh, a zone two uh, kind of stimulus. Almost that, that, is, that should be the number one tool in your toolbox because we consistently see that um, that is one tool that can help raise HRV. So, you know, if you're, if you had a hit session planned, change it to a recovery session or an aerobic, you know, uh, L2 session. Okay. That's, that's principle number one. Sleep. Is there anything you could do about your sleep to get a little bit more? That sleep is a huge tool. When we get better sleep and sleeping more soundly, uh, quality and quantity, HRV tends to rise. We remember the cold water immersion um, uh, talk that, that we gave. That is another thing that, that is, gives a big surplus in HRV is cold water immersion. That's another thing. Do check on your diet. Diet is another, another one that really goes into HRV. We saw Mark's data before. We know it has a big influence. And here's one we don't often think about, but it's like social connection. A lot of us are, you know, maybe in this space are a little bit introverted, myself, certainly. And um, we can spend a little bit too much time isolated with our computers, away from people. Get in with, uh, you know, check in, check on your social contacts and whatnot, because that's actually another thing that raises your HRV is just being around people. Um, is it's natural and it's it's something that's good for us. So I'll just uh, I'll just add those points there as well, Paul. Here are here are the things that I've learned this week. That number one, HRV is an emerging training tool that helps us monitor life stress and health, not just your training stress. And if you pair that with how you're feeling, that's a, a really good tool. Number two, we're looking for HRV trends to uh, in, in adapting to the training stress as in as HRV increases. Generally, that means we're um, positively adapting to the stress and ready for training. And number three, it's a very individualized response to training session. And there's a recovery profile on Athletica that's going to help us measure that context of your HRV and help us understand how we are ready for training on a longer term basis. So that is all for this week. Thanks for listening and join us next week for the Athletes Compass you can help us by asking your training questions in the comments below, liking and sharing the podcast and giving us, yes, five-star reviews, engaging with us on social media. For Mariana Rakai and Dr. Paul Larson, I'm Paul Warlowski, and this has been the Athletes Compass Podcast. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Athletes Compass Podcast, your guiding light through the complex world of training for your endurance sport. For a deeper dive into the science, listen to our companion podcast, The Training Science Podcast, and check out the AI adaptive training platform, athletica.ai. Thanks.